DW Africa Link with only three days left in the year 2023, what memorable moments come to your mind? As you reflect on that question, hello and welcome to the program that keeps you up to date with what's happening in Africa and beyond. This is Africa Link and my name is Josie Mahachi. Josie Mahachi is with me, George Okachi, and uh, as she has hinted, we are entering into a reflective mood today. Join us on our Facebook page at DW Africa and share your thoughts on the big stories in Africa that stood out for you. So coming up on the program, is Africa experiencing a dynamic shift to assert itself as a significant player in the geopolitical landscape? Over 2023, African countries have increasingly determined that they do not want to get pigeonholed. So they do want to be pro-Western, pro-Chinese or pro-Russian. Mm-hmm. Also on the program, we will highlight the challenges, democracy, security and socioeconomic issues that unfolded across the continent. Peace, security and stability became elusive dreams for some nations. Sudan plunged into a raging conflict that claimed thousands of lives and displaced millions. That and more coming up on Africa Link. But for now, here's the world news in brief. DW News. And I'm Isaac Mugabe with DW News. Gamma's Hamas run health ministry says at least 50 people have been killed in Israeli airstrikes this Thursday in various locations across the, ter- the territory. One of the latest took place in Delbala in central Gaza. Emergency crews extinguished fires in several houses. Israel carried out suspected airstrikes a day earlier on the southern city of Khan Yunis. Gaza officials say at least 20 people were killed then. The Hamas-run health ministry says over 21,000 people have been killed and the vast majority of Gazans are displaced. It's just destruction around us, as you see. The buildings are destroyed. This is not a war. It's a genocide. It's more than a war. We can't even describe it. Set on eliminating Hamas, Israel's military said it's expanding its ground offensive and released footage showing its elite troops in Gaza. Elzi Halevi is Israel's army chief. The fighting is taking place in a complex area. Therefore, the war will continue for many more months. And we will work with different methods so that we can hold on to our achievements for a long time. Russia has reopened its embassy in Burkina Faso after a gap of nearly 32 years after Burkina Faso fell out with its former colonial master, France. Since coming to power in September 2022, the ruling junta has distanced itself from France, its historic partner, and moved closer to Russia. Moscow has pledged to deliver free grain to Burkina Faso. In October, Burkina Faso signed a deal with Russia for the construction of a nuclear power plant to increase the energy supply to the Sahel country, where less than a quarter of the population has access to electricity. The leader of Sudan's Paramilitary Rapid Support Forces, RSF, is in Ethiopia on his first trip abroad since war erupted with Sudan's army in April last year. Mohamed Hamdan Daglo's visit to Ethiopia and Uganda come as regional diplomats scramble to broker a meeting between the RSF commander and his rival, Sudanese army chief Abdel Fattah al-Burhani. The warring generals have not met face-to-face since the outbreak of fighting between their forces that has killed over 12,000 people by some conservative estimates and forced millions to flee. 
You are listening to DW News, Germany's international broadcaster. Five suspected supporters of the Islamic State are facing charges in Germany after they raised more than 300,000 US dollars in donations for the terrorist group, federal prosecutors say today. All but one of the suspects are German nationals. The court has yet to decide if the case will go to trial. And on a sad note, renowned South African playwright, producer and composer Mbongeni Ngema has died in a car crash at the age of 68. That's according to his family. The celebrated playwright who was a passenger in the vehicle involved in the crash. He was best known for creating the hit Sarafina, which first premiered on Broadway in 1988. It was adapted into a musical drama starring Whoopi Goldberg in 1992, becoming an international success and was nominated for the Tony and Grammy Awards. More on this story coming up on Africa Link in our show business segment. And that's it for today. For more information, please visit our website dw.com. I'm Isaac Mugabe. Thanks, Mugabe, and for all of you for sticking around on the program, Africa Link. My name is Josie Mahachi, and we are streaming live from our Bond studios here in Germany. And Josie Mahachi is with me, George Okachi. Remember to comment on the stories that we are covering on our Facebook page, DW Africa Solomon Noise Maker. That is how you call yourself on Facebook. We much appreciate your following of this conversation. Josie, we begin and as we approach the year's end, one noticeable shift standing out is Africa's foreign policy approach. Yes, certainly the continent is increasingly asserting itself significant player in the geopolitical landscape. Our colleague Michael Oti tells us how this dynamic shift is panning out. African countries are assuming an increasingly individualistic approach to foreign policy, acting in ways that are sometimes at odds with international powers. The conflict in Gaza is uniting African nations more than their divided response to Russia's actions in Ukraine. Alex Vines, the head of the African program at Chatham House Policy Institute, views this realignment as Africa embracing a more multipolar approach in engaging with international partners. Over 2023, African countries have increasingly determined that they do not want to get pigeonholed, so they don't want to be pro pro-Western, pro-Chinese, or pro-Russian. Support by African countries for the UN General Assembly's March 2, 2022 resolution demanding Russia's withdrawal from Ukraine was relatively weak. Just 28 of Africa's 54 member states voted in favor, while 17 abstained and 8 didn't vote. Eritrea voted against the resolution. Yet, Many African countries have consistently called for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas, according to Alex Vines. That's in contrast to the Middle East, the Israel-Gaza question, where uh, many African countries have been uh, robustly um, <clears throat> calling for a ceasefire uh, in, in Gaza, and this has um, been pretty consistent. However, some African countries have shown solidarity with Israel and explicitly condemned Hamas. In Kenya, for example, President William Ruto spoke out strongly against terrorism attacks on innocent civilians, despite criticism from opposition politicians who called for relations with Israel to be severed. Kenya, Zambia, Ghana, and, and DRC 
aligning with Israel. Some believe that this alignment has to do with the relationship that these countries have with Israel. And they actually, they don't want to show a position that will go against the interest of Israel because it might also mean going against the interest of the United States and, uh, the, and, and the West. Africa's changing foreign policy landscape mirrors a continent in evolution, actively asserting its interests on the international stage. Enough said and many thanks, Michael Oti, for narrating that piece by DW's Martina Shvikoski. And Josie, uh, as we proceed, uh, in 2023, Africa witnessed pivotal moments in mm-hmm. its democratic journey while also navigating challenges in peace, security, and stability amidst, uh, I should say, challenging economic landscape. That's true, George. And DW's Eunice Wanjiru has put together some of those notable events that unfolded across the continent in the following report. Africa's 2023 democratic journey unfolded with a packed electoral calendar. Nigeria set the stage with widely praised free and fair elections. And as ballots echoed across the continent, Zimbabwe, Madagascar, Egypt and Sierra Leone re-elected incumbent presidents, characterizing the established political order. However, it was in Liberia where President George Weah's concession to his rival stood out as a beacon of democratic maturity, casting a profound influence on the regional political ethos. Yet beneath the surface of electoral triumphs, the Democratic Republic of Congo, DRC, found itself entangled in an electoral frenzy amidst the disruptive actions of the M23 rebel group in North Kivu. The situation in the DRC underscored the delicate balance between democratic processes and the harsh realities of conflict. And talking about conflicts, peace, security and stability became elusive dreams for some nations. Sudan plunged into a raging conflict that claimed thousands of lives and displaced millions, raising concerns of the nation teetering on the brink of breaking apart. Amidst this turmoil, an explosion of anti-French sentiment swept through the Sahel region, finding expression in a military coup in Niger and later in Gabon. The departure of French troops from Mali after a near decade-long operation marked a turning point prompting introspection about the region's democratic resilience. However, for African leaders, the anti-French sentiment signaled a readiness to forge mutual partnerships with a diverse array of global players. This was vividly demonstrated in the international and regional arenas where Africa asserted its relevance. Hosting the first BRICS summit in South Africa and leading the charge in climate action at the first African climate summit in Kenya showcased the continent's determination to be a key player on the world stage. Regional unity efforts exemplified by Kenya's bold move to abolish visa requirements echoed President William Ruto's commitment to a united and borderless Africa. However, Tunisia's president raised eyebrows by calling for a halt to sub-Saharan immigration amid a crackdown on opposition. Against the backdrop of a global landscape marked by the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the war in Gaza, Africa grappled with the socio-economic fallout. The African Development Bank projected a slowdown in economic growth, 
with Ghana securing a significant loan to weather its worst economic crisis in a generation. Inflationary pressures reverberated in Nigeria and Kenya, igniting unrest and mass demonstrations. Beyond the political and economic challenges, African leaders faced scrutiny on the social and environmental front. From earthquakes in Morocco and Libya to devastating floods in the Horn of Africa, questions on climate disaster and natural calamities management were raised. Regarding social issues, Rwanda's consideration as a destination for asylum seekers sparked international attention while Uganda's President Museveni signed the controversial anti-homosexuality bill into law, reflecting societal sentiments. Yet, amidst these formidable challenges, the continent demonstrated an indomitable spirit of resilience. As we reflect on Africa's dynamic landscape in 2023, it becomes evident that the continent faced complex challenges unveiling its strength, unity and unwavering determination for a brighter future in the unfolding chapters of 2024. Determination mm. for a brighter future in 2024. I love those words. Thank you so much, Eunice Wanjiru, for that report. Of course, it accentuates the African spirit. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that we have a very strong African with us. <laughs> <laughs> in the name of Amaka Okoye. Yes. Uh, she's one of our colleagues around. And Amaka, many thanks for joining us. Say hi to our listener. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in, of course, to the program. Yeah, definitely. Amaka is here just to bring us up to speed with what you are telling us about the memorable moments you remember in 2023. And Amaka, before our listener talked to us, mm-hmm. which is this memorable story do you remember covering in 2023? I think for me, the remarkable and memorable one would be covering the Nigeria's uh, presidential election uh, at all fronts because that... You had to choose Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, George, yes, I had to choose, not just choosing it, but because it was an important election, you know, uh, this is one of the election that changed a lot of story and changed um, the landscape for Nigerians, especially the youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one election where we saw a lot of young people participating and intentionally deciding uh, to take back their country, whether or not they took back the country is another story. But yes, uh, the covering the election for me stood out because it was a decisive moment for most of us Nigerians and most people generally. Mm. And George, yours? I'll tell you just after we take a short <laughs> breather, because tell you what, we want to talk about reflection. Uh, we're just reflecting on, you know, the memorable moments that happened uh, in 2023. Okay, now thank you so much for staying with us if you just joined us. This is DW's Africa Link program with me, your host, Josie Mahachi. And Josie Mahachi is with me, George Okachi. We thank you for joining us on our Facebook page, DW Africa, where the show is live. And we encourage you to appreciate and also follow the page and also participate in the conversation. Now, still to come, South Africans describe the year 2023 as a tough one. And this is why. Load shedding has several impacts, lower levels of turnover, margin shrinkage, inflation pushed up over it. So you're having the squeeze access to finance as a result of lower levels of profitability became tougher. Mm-hmm. That story will be back shortly, but for now we head to Zambia where President Hakainde Hichilema wasted no time in signing into law the Access to Information Bill after Parliament passed it last week. 
given that stakeholders such as the media and the civil society have been fighting for this for over two decades. Now, the new move makes many believe that giving citizens access to information would promote transparency and accountability. But as DW's Glory Mushinga reports from Lusaka, Zambia, that may not be the case. When President Hakainde Hichilema promised to sign the Access to Information Bill into law shortly after he assumed power in 2021, citizens, especially the media who had been spearheading the advocacy process, became highly expectant. But after two years of not delivering on the promise, it looked as though it would be another disappointing experience as successive governments before the current United Party for National Development, UPND, had taken it to Parliament a number of times but ended up withdrawing or not acting on it. UPND consultant Mark Simoe recounts the process which was started by the Media Liaison Committee that was set up by then-President Frederick Chiluba. This uh, is a process that was born in the late 1990s and once it was established among the fundamental issues that they proposed include the idea to come up with the Independent Broadcasting Authority uh, the, the issues to do the access to information bill and then later on in 2002 the IBA Act was enacted and later on we had uh, strong debates surrounding access to information and government. It therefore looked like Christmas came early this year when Parliament finally passed the bill after which the President assented to it on Friday, December 22. Information and Media Permanent Secretary Tabakawana could not contain his excitement as the president was signing the bill. We are now witnessing a historical event where His Excellency the President is signing the ATI into law. Henceforth, this is no longer a bill, but access to information in Zambia is law. But not everybody is as excited. Some segments of society, such as certain legal organizations, some media people and opposition members of parliament are concerned about the contents of the law, saying in its current state it will dilute its main intention. The examples they cite include that those with information would retain the right to decide what can be released and would not be compelled to provide information. Government would not release information about the foreign organizations they consult or transact with. If someone is denied information, the first line of appeal is the Human Rights Commission and the second is the High Court. The legal fees might be unaffordable for many citizens, lawmaker Christopher Kangombe argued in Parliament last week. Currently, there are so many people who've been denied justice because they can't afford a lawyer. So how then do we deny people information and we tell them, go to court and ask the court to grant you the relief? Madam Speaker, we are not achieving what we intend to achieve. Other citizens, however, feel it is a good start and better than not having such a law. Thank you so much, Glory Mushinge, for that report. And talk about Zambia, Josie. I've just seen President Hakainde Chilema has accepted the resignation of uh, Zambia Foreign Minister Stanley mm-hmm. Kakubo. You know, he quit yesterday after he was allegedly caught on video receiving a stack of cash from Chinese businessmen. And Amaka people 
cannot stop to react on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we have a few comments also. Uh, this one, Imran Bojang says, uh, be proud of yourself for taking such a decision. In many of the African, uh, many of the African position holders, corruption is their daily meal. And um, this one who calls himself or herself African movement said, not quit, but told to quit by his boss instead of firing him. <laughs> I would yeah. be very interested to know if Delhi's Ambeshaw is from you. Says this is a country where the laws work. In my country, it's exchanged openly, both and off video. Yet no one is ever held accountable. Fidelis, I know you're listening. Please tell us which country you're talking of. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen Amaka deliberately just forgetting DK Daddy. So he's saying the God of Zambia should also visit. Uganda. (laughs) (laughs) Not Nigeria. (laughs) Well, well, well. (laughs) But definitely, we're talking about the curtains closing on to 2023. And many South Africans have described the year as a very tough one in many aspects. South Africa faced a mountain of socioeconomic challenges, pushing many families further into poverty. Basic savings delivery also hit a new law resulting in cholera outbreaks and a string of blackouts. Many say they want the year to quickly end, though they have no hope 2024 will be any better. Our correspondent Tusokumalo reports from Johannesburg. It's a year that everyone wishes to delete for many reasons, but an act of nature wouldn't allow that. Interest rates rose from 10% in 2022 to the current 11%. As a result, Properties and vehicles bought on higher purchase were repossessed as people failed to service their debts. A constant rise in petrol prices induced price hikes due to increase in production and transportation costs. Linda Sitole, a mother of three living in Johannesburg, says the same list of grocery items she bought for her family per month for 150 euros at the beginning of the year and now double the price. It is now the time whereby you say, I just want to buy groceries that I can't live without, only the basic. The year saw South Africa's worst power cuts destroying jobs and livelihoods. Jeremy Lang is the chief investing officer at Business Partners. Load shedding has several impacts, lower levels of turnover, margin shrinkage, inflation pushed up over it. So you're having the squeeze, access to finance as a result of lower levels of profitability became tougher. The shortage of water saw many areas in the country going for weeks without water. People in town carrying water gallons and jostling for water around mobile water tanks are some of the vivid dark marks of 2023. The country also struggled with the provision of clean water, leading to cholera outbreaks that saw over a dozen people losing their lives. Water expert Anthony Tuton says the country needs to embark on new technology on water harvesting and recycling, but also paying more attention to fixing the sewer system. We must get our our sewage works fixed up. I would say that ought to be the the single top priority in the water sector, fixing up our sewage works. Because if we don't fix up our sewage works, all of our drinking water comes from rivers that are contaminated by sewage. This is not only a health crisis, it's also a national uh, strategic crisis. Crime was also another thorn in the flesh, forcing President Sri Ramaphosa in some cases to deploy soldiers to back up the police.
latest crime statistics show that between July and September, 100 women were raped every 24 hours, while 78 people were being killed daily. And former statistician general Paddy Lehosa, director at Economic Modeling Academy, says things are so bad that elections next year should be suspended so that all energies are focused on fixing the country. We are at the precipice where the thirst for going into an election has possessed us and it has nothing to do with the social ills that we have. But in his Christmas message, Deputy President Paul Mashatile argued it's not all gloom and doom. As the government, we have accelerated the provision of social services over the past few years by investing in education, health care, housing, water and sanitation, amongst other things. Mashatile, however, admits that the road ahead is long, winding and littered with a lot of obstacles. Thanks to Sokumalo for that report. Well, Amaka, uh, people are reacting. Of course, uh, mm-hmm. South African situation is not, you know, um, unique to South Africa. Though. It has right. affected many people in Africa as well. Mm-hmm. So what are people saying on our Facebook page? Uh, that's really true. Judge, you know, you began by saying that this is time for reflecting and taking stock. And so mm. uh, across different parts of the continent, uh, you know, people have their own suggestions. So, so we have Edwin, for instance, Tenario, I reckon is from South Africa. He said what leaders, they would have done is they should have considered c- cutting their wages and allow- allowances mm-hmm. and channel the resources towards cushioning and curtailing of fuel prices and basic commodities such as millimeal and cooking oil, etc. It's quite practical. (laughs) I see a lot of comments on that. It's so pity that we hardly have so much time, but then we have to move on. If we have more time, we will come back to them. Now, to round up the day, we are taking a step into the world of showbiz, which is one of my favorite segments, George. Yeah, I recall that, of course, the entire year you've been mentioning showbiz as your favorite. And uh, it's always good to wind down the day with some light news and to feel as more is Amaka Okoye. Thanks, Josie and George. We begin in Ghana with some super awesome news. At 9 a.m. today, Efua Asentewa hits the Guinness World Records for longest singing marathon by an individual after singing for 105 hours. Since she started singing on midnight of Sunday, Efua Asentewa's dedication and can-do spirit continue to inspire musicians across the country. With the likes of Shatawale, Sister Efia, Sakodie, Kwabna Kwabna, Efia, Kwame Eugene, among others, going to the Akwaba village to give their full support. Indian singer Sunil Wagmare holds the current record, and Efia Sentewa intends doing 115 hours to set a new Guinness World Record for the longest singathon after the last record was made in 2012. We keep our fingers crossed. And now to the neighboring Nigeria, we have veteran Nigerian comedian Alleluia Akpabame, popularly known as Alibaba, says skit maker Mark Angel is one of the richest comedians in the country. According to him, Mark Angel earns up to $300,000 per month. Speaking in a recent podcast, Alibaba said many do not believe Mark Angel is worthy because he wears a big shirt and shirt and doesn't flaunt it. Alibaba added that if Mark Angel was a politician or a banker or oil merchant, 
people would have believed he was wealthy. But because he is a comedian, many don't believe he is wealthy at all. And from money gist in Nollywood to Hollywood, where Colombian superstar Shakira has been honored with the unveiling of a 6.5 meter statue in her hometown, Barranquilla. The imposing bronze and aluminum sculpture shows the singer in a bikini top, bare midriff, and a flowing skirt. Capturing one of her characteristic dance moves with hands clasped over her head and one hip jutting out. The inscription at the base reads, Hips that do not lie, a unique talent, a voice that moves masses. In reference to one of Shakira's award-winning songs titled, Hips Don't Lie. And still in the U.S., as is the custom every year, the former U.S. President Barack Obama has unveiled his list of favorite movies as 2023 comes to a close. The list includes Hollywood temples, world cinema, and films from his own production house. The list curiously included the period drama that revolves around J. Robert Oppenheimer, the inventor of the atomic bomb that destroyed two cities of Japan at the end of World War II. However, there was no sign of Greta Gerwig's satirical comedy, Barbie, which was released on the same day as Oppenheimer and led to the coinage of their clash, Babenheimer. And now, on a sad note, renowned South African playwright, producer and composer Mbongeni Ngema has died. Ngema was killed in a head-on car accident while returning from a funeral he was attending in Lusikisiki in the Eastern Cape on Wednesday, according to his family. Okay, that is a very sad note to end the show, but good things also have to come to an end, which is Africa Link. Until tomorrow, my name is Josie Mahachi. And I'm George Okachi, and we were with Amaka Okoye. Thank you for listening. Made for mine.